0: Here we go, rejecting the screen, the going ISO edition, as we do every week on the podcast. Noah Koslov out here on the East Coast, out West is Adam Stanko. Our guest today, Nat Butler, the future Hall of Fame photographer of the NBA. has been around the league, photographing the league for 30 plus years. And we're going to get into not just the memorable shots, but memorable moments, but things that go into a photographer's job that you may not ever have thought of. But Nat is a loyal listener of the podcast, and when we were texting during the week, he said that as long as I don't have to talk about birthing stories, since he heard Adam's most recent birthing story, and I said, "No, no, 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 no. We're, we're going to talk photography." So, Nat, let's start with birthing stories. <laughs> any, 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 anything, anything that is on par with with Adam actually taking. Is newborn out a few weeks ago? Um, you know what? That was pretty, pretty incredible.
1: Um, even more incredible, I want to say, when you were pulling up to pick up that you recognize the security guard or he recognized you. From, from here, which, which Ray, Ray the guard. Pretty, yes, yes. Pretty funny. It's awesome. Uh, my uh, my uh, eldest daughter, wife goes into labor. We hail a cab. I was living in New York at the time. So the the cabbie's freaking out, driving a million miles an hour downtown to St. Vincent's Hospital. And he cuts off a few cars. The next red light, people get out of the car and want to fight with the cab driver for him cutting them off. It's like, <laughs> I'm like, can we please just get to the hospital? You know? Uh, <laughs> and then, and then fast forward 20 years later, St. Vincent's Hospital in typical New York fashion is now like very uh, pricey condos. It's not even a... Uh, it's not even a hospital anymore.
0: Wait, how did um, how did you, how did you diffuse that situation when you're in a taxi and the other folks get out of a car?
1: You know what? It was literally, it was my wife and I and my mother-in-law and it's like, rolled down the window, guys, we got to go to the hospital. Gotta, and the taxi driver, like in his broken English, trying to explain we're going to the hot. And then we just, everybody <laughs> just sort of backed off. And it was like, literally, uh, a Seinfeld episode in the making. Um, <laughs> That's great. And, uh, and sim- my my number two son was born in June, uh, in the middle of NBA finals, mm. uh, and I had to come home on a chartered plane with David Stern after a game in Seattle. So I think being on the plane with David from Seattle for five hours was no, more nerve wracking than <laughs> giving birth or being a parent for any of the three children. He peppered me with questions. I was pretending to fall asleep and he kept talking. And now, what, what, what about this? What do you think about this? What? For five hours, I was getting hammered with questions from, uh, from David all the, way, all the way home. But I did, uh, I did make it home in, uh, in time for the birth. So that was cool.
2: That is that's incredible. So, when you spend five hours on a on a plane with David Stern, what do you learn about him that the rest of us weren't privy to? You know what? Um,
1: I went way back with him. Uh, we both started in 1984. Well, he was there, but when he became commissioner, I was uh, I was actually an intern at the NBA. And as an intern, the NBA was so small at that time. I had an office like four doors down from, uh, David's <laughs> office when he, um, and I was working with Brian McIntyre and, and Terry Lyons in the, in the PR department doing, uh, all the photo clips and news clips. Um, but would pretty much daily hear David on the phone, uh, four doors down for sure. Um, but we had a, we had a wonderful, um, relationship and i learned uh so much just from watching and being around you know the the typical fly on the wall thing and to be honest that's how nba photos uh started um i was in new york nba entertainment as noah can attest to had had started a little bit earlier but David, uh, this was like 1984, he wanted to start archiving and have an archive of, uh, NBA history. Um, and it sort of has evolved from, from then to, to where it is now, which is kind of, uh, kind of a huge, uh, huge difference for sure.
0: What was a day in a life like for an intern at the NBA in 1984?
1: You know what? It was awesome. Uh when like people talk about the NBA, you know, family, it was a family. I I wanna say maybe 40 or 50 people in the entire office. Um I worked for Brian McIntyre and Terry Lyons was head of uh international PR at the time. And my morning was getting I'd literally they would get newspapers delivered from every uh it would be hard for imagine people the the younger audience now newspapers delivered from every city. Uh hmm. every city that ha- had an NBA team. I was in charge of going through those clips and uh cutting out articles of relevance and then Xeroxing them and passing them, you know, to the NBA uh executives about what was going on in the NBA uh, and quickly learned uh, that fingerprints on the ink were not acceptable. Uh, <laughs> so I, I uh, got myself a pair of gloves and went with scotch taping and Xeroxing and making sure there were no fingerprints. But it was just like someone had a question. They walked down the hall and, and asked someone, you know what I mean? Um, but At the time, I didn't know any better, but now looking back at it, you have so many fond memories of the people, to be honest. You know, like I said, David was very big on, I was just documenting the history. Most of that, I was doing press conferences. They would sign a deal with this sponsorship or this, that, and then uh, evolved from, from that into talking my way into going, uh, to Knicks games after working in the office and, and shooting and stuff like that to, to start building up the library.
2: Being a part of the NBA in its infancy and now seeing where it is, how much do you think David Stern had the vision that it was going to be something like we we know it as today? You know, I think it's, it's not,
1: again, very difficult uh, to speak on his behalf. I think none of it would be surprising knowing him he would have wanted it bigger um but the foresight into like the business side of things uh is obvious the the telecast i i distinctly remember as a kid watching that magic johnson i want to say was that was that 86 like 80 when you think 80 yes So uh, yep. how crazy is it? how when you think about that? How crazy is that? You know, uh, a tape delay game of the NBA Finals in 1980. Um, but that's what's cool to me. The people like people are smart. Now you fast forward 2020, and you know what Adam is dealing with on a daily basis with all the craziness and things going on. But it's a genuine partnership with the players they're smart people the players chris paul and the pa people michelle they're smart people they work together it's not an adversarial uh relationship people will always have differing opinions and things like that but there there is a genuine uh partnership there that i think is very unlike other sports for sure
0: adam knows a whole lot more about Owning a car and everything that goes into that that I do, since he actually owns a car and living in New York City, I do not. But since we've relocated temporarily, I have a car. And now I'm trying to figure out, all right, how do I fix these certain issues going on with the car? Take it in for inspection. That's one thing. And then if you need the parts. So I went to rockauto.com. And I like it especially since it's a family business and it's also remarkably easy to navigate the catalog. So you can quickly see all the parts available for your own vehicle and then choose brands, specifications, filter by price very significantly. And best of all, the prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low. And it's the same for incredibly low. Right. It's it's the same for the professionals. And for folks like myself who might try to do it myself. So, why spend up to twice as much for the same parts? If you go to rockauto.com right now, see all the parts available for your car or truck, and just type in locked on, L O C K E D, on locked on in there. How did you hear about us, Spock, so that they know we sent you? Once again, amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. Do you have any memories of any early celebratory moments in the office with just so few people involving David Stern?
1: There was a time Red Auerbach came into the office and he said, beat it, kid. And he had to make some calls. So he I left the office. He sat, <laughs> he sat in the chair, lit up a cigar and was making some calls, I went back. I'm like trying to make busy work. I kept peeking in and he fell asleep at at my desk. It was kind of funny <laughs> I I'm not gonna wake him up. Um but things like, you know, um things like that. And and like I said, it was it was very, very much and still to a certain extent, uh, today, um, like I said, a family, someone's mm-hmm. birthday, you would you would go out uh for a drink after work. Someone had a baby, you would like It was acknowledged, you know, it was a very, very uh, fun time for sure. So then were you around when
0: Red woke up?
1: Uh, I think I had disappeared. And uh, like the 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 funny thing was with that story. Like then uh, he, he laughed at maybe had some meetings whatever so I'm sitting in the office and everyone kept popping their head in the entire rest of the day. Now what's going on in here? It smells like cigar. smoke. <laughs> 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 um, it was just, uh, just funny time. Like I was like, it's it's just funny. I'm like 19 years old, 20 years old. I'm not telling Red Auerbach, uh, what to do, anything. I'm just right. happy to be, uh, happy to be in the same
0: building. Now. Your disposition, who you are as a person, and as one of just the true gentlemen that I've met in this business. We met when I was an intern in two thousand three, and immediately, I remember being at a, a New York Liberty game, and I was with, I think, and Denise Albert was a reporter. Mario Porporino was doing camera, and you were shoot, and you were shooting, and okay. and you said. And you said, and you said to me, "Hey, like, why don't you get a stand-up in, you know, for for your reel?" And you just just treated me with just open arms right away. Was was your disposition as a person like that before you started at the NBA as an intern in '84, or is it something about being part of that family early on that moved you in that direction?
1: You know what? That's a great question. It without like being cheesy i think it you it has always been there had to do with my uh upbringing and my parents my grandparents and that kind of uh thing uh and i'm happy to hear uh your recollection of that story because to be honest um oftentimes you know at a game people want to come up and talk and introduce themselves and everything which is great but at a game sometimes i'm not too friendly like I, I i literally have game face going on even if it's warm-ups or whatever <laughs> because it's it, it's difficult somebody from their office comes down and hey they're they're going to a, a Knicks game or, or a, a nets game in brooklyn and they want to talk and i'm like i can't really i can't really talk i'm working now you know uh, <laughs> so I, it is tricky because i don't want to be i don't want someone to get a the wrong impression and say wow was he, not too friendly kind of guy you know Um, but I think, you know, it's just sort of, uh, sort of who I am. And I appreciate those, those kind words. And I, and I do, uh, I owe that to my parents. There's no doubt about that.
2: Now you were at, uh, St. John's during the heyday of the big East, Chris Mullen, Walter Berry, Mark Jackson, and you actually exactly. shot Chris Mullen versus Michael Jordan. What are your recollections um, of that game? you know what it's so funny
1: because i like I played basketball in high school um and I just loved basketball. I went to st John's obviously was nowhere near you know good enough to to play at st John's um, but I was friends with all those guys because I would hang out in the gym and you know, I started shooting practices and start, that's sort of how I started shooting. Um, and the, the crazy thing is, is that from that game, I have a couple of bad photos uh, from that game. And very, very little uh, of MJ because I was focused on Chris the whole time. <laughs> uh, so Chris, Chris was the was the star and not michael um in in my eyes, you know, um right, and you know i I get a lot of questions from young photographers and stuff how to start, how you break into the business and things like that, and it's sort of just like a lot of other businesses, like my early work, I was working on my craft it, I was not that good, you know, uh so it's not like I have a hundred great shots from that particular game. I have a handful of decent photos, you know? Um, so it's something, it's something that is very humbling. You don't just pick up a camera and, and start shooting and get great stuff right off the bat. You know, it was like, like I said, any other career, I have put a lot
0: of time and effort
1: into just working and, and developing that craft
0: when was the first time I, I got a few Michael Jordan questions, but you, you said, you know, you have to really work at it. So back to David Stern, do you remember one of the first times that David said to you, Hey, Nat, great shot.
1: Um, don't know if he ever said that, <laughs> uh, not, not, not in a jerky way. I know, I but, know. um, you know, it's like, uh, it's like trying to, you know, uh, to please someone um, I think yeah I don't I don't remember but lit- literally like was just starting out like yeah. would shoot black and white film run back to my apartment develop the film all excited see what it looked like you know uh, of of film hanging in the shower that kind of thing like mm-hmm. it's just it's just fun it was very very
0: different you know um, so what was so what was what? your first so what was your first Jordan on court experience and your first Jordan off court experience?
1: Hard to remember specifically. Like I would shoot teams as they came through the garden and the meadowlands and stuff. And and like I said earlier, we were developing a library. Uh, Andy Bernstein was shooting out in L.A. Clippers, Lakers. I started doing a similar thing in New York with, with, uh, you know, net were in Jersey at that time. And then Nick's at the garden shooting, visiting teams coming through, you know, uh, but, uh, I remember, you know, crazy Jordan moments at the garden, um, that even now some of those shots are not great per se, uh, but people are freaking out because of what sneakers he was wearing, you know, Mm. uh, I shot him when he went on the Letterman show unveiling the you know, the band uh Jordan Ones. Uh and that became a huge uh that became a huge deal. It was a big deal at the time, but then even later, you know, all the sneakerheads and people look back at those at those times about, you know, what the what the sneakers looked like and things like that. Um so I was very, very fortunate to you know, just sort of be around a lot of great moments uh, over over the years like that.
0: The Locked On Podcast Network stands against racism and social injustice, and that's why we, the hosts, are making personal donations to local and national organizations that are fighting for change. And in the month of June, Locked On is matching the total of all host donations up to an additional $10,000. To make your own donation along with us, please visit LockedOnPodcasts.com slash Black Lives Matter.
2: Noah, I'm going to stop this for a second before we get back to, to Nat. I might just go run. You know, I'm, I record this in my garage. I might run back inside and and grab myself a Bilt Bar. I, I cannot stop eating these things. Yes, they're protein bars, but they taste like candy bars. And I've I've talked about it a ton on the podcast. You've talked about it because you've been throwing yours in the fridge, which I think is a great idea. But we're talking about 16 incredible flavors. They're all covered in real chocolate. You got your your flavors that are nut flavors, then you have ones that are the nut-free flavors, but they're soft, easy to chew. They taste so good. But the best part is, as great as they taste, I don't know how these guys do it, but if you're a health-conscious guy like me, Noah, and you know how how i am about my uh, physical fitness. Yeah, you you um, just
0: rolled you just rolled up your left sleeve of your t-shirt too just to show me how serious you are about your fitness. Yeah, well that has to do more that's
2: that's more to do with the fact that it's in the upper 90s here and this garage is starting to get pretty <laughs> hot at this at this point. Uh but but step being said, I look good clearly. And uh the thing about built bars is that you can actually lose or maintain weight while eating these things, in spite of the fact that they're delicious. Because you take one like peanut butter brownie, twenty grams of protein. Noah, three grams of sugar. Three grams of sugar is nothing. nothing. Mint brownie, which you know how I I love the mint brownie one. Fifteen grams of protein, just four grams of sugar, one hundred and ten calories. These things are incredible. Go to builtbar.com, use the promo code locked on. That's L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, and you'll get $10 off your first order. That's promo code locked on, $10 off Biltbar.com.
0: So that's Jordan on Letterman. Now I know you've spent a lot of time with LeBron. What is LeBron like behind the scenes versus the LeBron that? we've all gotten to know on the court and via social media?
1: You know what? I've always been a big LeBron fan um, right from the jump. Um, And before I even like, I got to know him a little bit, but um, just from a basketball standpoint, like if you like basketball, you have to appreciate what what he's doing. But if you remember back uh, even his high school days, uh, the, his high school games televised on, on ESPN. Like there were a lot of haters out there, you know, and people wanting to see someone fail, not live up to the hype. He's exceeded the hype, you know, is, is amazing. Um, and I, I do think that what you see, you know, on the court and, you know, impressors behind the scenes is genuine and, and that's who he is. Um, one of one of an early great memory that I that I do have of LeBron was I want to say 2009 he was the rookie uh, I'm I'm sorry the MVP um, mm-hmm. and at that time the MVP was traditionally like they'd give the award on an off day in the playoff series um, at a press conference at the at the arena you know that kind of thing and LeBron wanted to do it at uh, his high school, St. Vincent, St. Mary's. And you know there was a little bit of pushback from people on the production side because it's a huge, you know, broadcast event and press conference and all that. But they had the the presser for the announcement uh, at St. Vincent, St. Mary's and met him early in the morning when he arrived. I was following him around with an NBA video crew. And it was just amazing to me uh, how genuine and what what his personality was. He popped his head into the classroom, knew mm-hmm. the teachers by name, referred to them as Miss So and So, Mister So, knew the custodians by first name <laughs> basis. You know, just total genuine person. Um, and then fast forward a little bit to the to the actual event. There was like the basketball court they put out chairs and stuff for the members of the media and stuff and the kids all filed in and sat in the bleachers surrounding the court uh it was like a school assembly we used to have those assemblies in high school (laughs) and it's lebron james getting the mvp you know kind of kind of cool but his speech was so uh so genuine and and so much from the heart like he was he was talking about you know, six years ago, I was sitting where you guys are sitting. Follow your dreams, work hard in school, whatever your passion is, follow your path. Like, and it was just remarkable to me how genuine it was. And then in an emotional moment to be able to articulate that, you know, I'm the king of doing a podcast or something and then realizing all the things I should have said or didn't say this, didn't like, he's speaking from the heart. And I'm bawling my eyes, and I hold the camera up to cover myself because I don't want people seeing me crying. Uh, it was just really, really remarkable, you know, and it speaks to who, who he is, and he's carried that through. Like, he's in year 17 or 18 now, whatever it is. It's remarkable,
2: you know? You took that, you took that famous picture of LeBron sitting on that wooden bench in his locker room which uh, is so iconic and speaks to the time and the place where, where LeBron was at, at that point in time, Nat. It's, it's certainly memorable. I know – You know I what, and that
1: was, cool too. that was cool, too, because what we do, you know, for the for – the, you know, again, documenting NBA history, we'll cover a press conference with MVP, whatever. But then we do, as part of the day, do like a formal portrait. The commissioner – you know, there are some sponsors involved handing off the trophy on a backdrop, you know? Uh, and I, and, and we did that. And, and then I'm like, we have to do something like in context, not just a gray, you know, or back backdrop or something. And we were right next to the locker room and he took us into his high school locker room, wood wooden bench, just like we've all been there. The locker's there. Mm-hmm. It was a St. Vincent, St. Mary logo. And then he goes, look up on the wall there. And it was where, he and Mavs, uh and all of his high school friends had had uh, autographed the wall. Hmm. And they're smart enough to not paint over it. It's still there, uh, and it's just cool. Like how many of us have great high school memories, you know? And this guy six years ago was winning a championship in high school, and now you know he's the best player on the planet, winning NBA, NBA MVP. It's very very cool for me
2: personally. It's awesome. Awesome story. I. Sort of on the flip side of that, you had a quote in which you said, I've been doing this for a long time. And a lot of the guys, even if they don't know my name, I'm genuinely friends with a lot of guys. But other guys know me and they know I'll never put them in a bad light. So it, it led me to believe, and, and you bring up that example with LeBron and knowing him for a long time. Um, there's fights on the floor. There's arguments with coaches. There's guys pouting. And that stuff could show up instantaneously on social media. Whenever you take a picture, so how do you avoid not putting guys in a bad light? You know that's a good question. It's a, it is a judgment call at times. You
1: know, Um, I do have a job to do. I'm there to document what's going on. Um, I do have a little advantage. I'm I'm taking photos. There's no audio. You know, uh, with people dropping f bombs or in the heat of the moment or something, but in terms of like player spats and and the intensity as well, i personally love that stuff that these these guys didn't get to where they are by you know rolling over and not being competitive and not having heated moments with teammates coaches whatever that's who, who make what makes them who they are you know so it's a little you know if it's a public area uh i document it if it's something you know real back of house that maybe i shouldn't even be there to begin with or something i have a little more leeway you know um i have a personal thing uh i just don't like shooting guys eating you know guys have different routines before a game it's just sort of my my thing you know uh, a guy eating some chicken fingers before a game and then he goes two for 12 and they're like, what was he doing? He wasn't taking care of his body. Whatever. That's none of my business, you know? Uh, at the garden, they send the ball boys into Penn Station and you'd be shocked at what, uh, what guys are eating and things. It's just not, things like that are just a judgment call. But if it, if it's in the context of a game or, or something, um, those are powerful moments. You know, it is tough. Um, It is tough at times to make a judgment call, you know. Um, I was a huge Tim Duncan fan, and he lost to OKC in the playoffs. Do I follow Tim Duncan walking off the court, or do I follow Kevin Durant was with OKC at the time? Do I get like a dejection, Tim Duncan, his last game ever? Or do I follow Durant going to the finals, like, excited? You know, those are those are tough calls, and you just sort of have to go with it and not look back.
0: What did you do there?
1: Uh, I went with, and, and Tim is one of my all-time favorite guys, I went with Durant. Just thinking, like, knowing Tim and how quiet he was. Um, and catch-22, you know? Yeah. Um, because Tim walking out the tunnel, like not in his face, but a a longer wide shot of him walking out the tunnel, probably would have more legs or be more of a historic shot. To be honest, especially now that KD is no longer in OKC, you know. Um, but that was a that was a, a call I made. You know,
0: Adam asked you about the you know putting guys in a, in a good light or avoiding getting them in a bad light. How often, given that all of these guys are active on social media and love posting the game photos, the tunnel photos, how often are players themselves asking you directly, hey, can you send me that?
1: You know what? It happens more and more all the time.
0: Um, it's a younger
1: younger generation of <laughs> uh, a- of the 20-somethings and these these walk-in shots like we have done them for years um but i would do them in playoffs or finals mj walking into games say like it's an exciting moment but typically now we do them you know pretty much every every game um and it's it gives the guys uh an opportunity to you know show their style it's a little bit of a red carpet thing they are well aware of it you know mm-hmm. uh, and you get a text or something and say hey uh, you, i'll be there in 10 minutes you know something like that <laughs> and it's like okay uh it's it's kind of fun and you do get a get a you know a sense some guys aren't into it at all so i, I don't bother them you know it, so it's more of like almost working together
0: uh with them to to make it make it you know make everybody look good so these days when you take a photo and you can look at it and decide whether you like it or not and then take another one. But in these cases, guys are walking through the tunnel. You take the picture, maybe you send it to them. And then when they see it, if they don't like it, do they say, uh, hey, can we can we go do that again?
1: Uh I don't want to get anyone in trouble i have had other people do a take two as crazy as that sounds <laughs> i'll be right i'll so be funny. right back i'm gonna roll up my sleeves to show off my watch a little more or something uh and it's so it kind of, it is kind of funny uh and it's all working together and it's yeah. you know if it's three or three or four hours before the game it's fine if the game is uh you know if they come on the visiting bus or something to the game Uh, guys, let's focus on the game. We'll do it after the game. Let's, let's, uh, get our head focused on the game.
0: Guys ever ask you, given the amount of celebrities that are in the, in the arena, do they ever ask you, Hey, can, can you see if during the game, like if you can get me in a shot with this guy?
1: You know what? No, uh, not exactly like that. A lot of the guys are, are huge, uh, soccer fans. And if there's mm. a soccer player, I have to be honest, I am not. I might yeah, not I mean, recognize. I might not recognize true. them, you know. Uh, but they're like, hey, so and so's here. Can we do a quick picture, you know, before the game, or grab him after the game? I want to do. You know, I think the jersey exchange thing is kind of cool. And if it, you know, if PR or someone is involved and they have, uh, they have the, the soccer uh, jersey and they do it, they, I think that's cool. Um, One of the craziest memories I have of a similar thing was in 92 during the Dream Team stuff, and this was pre-digital, this was film. There were guys on the visiting team's benches, players, with cameras, and Magic or Michael or somebody's posting somebody up on the block, and the defender from the visiting team is looking over at the bench, now, 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 for them to take a picture during the game of what? playing against so one of the guys. Cool. And to me, that's so awesome, you know? Uh, and it, I'll, never, I'll never forget stuff like that.
2: That's incredible. I had always heard the stories about guys asking for autographs after the game or before even the game to the Dream Teamers. I'd never heard defenders on the floor like, no. hey, get a shot. magic the score it, on me. It's so Like Magic is posting up.
1: You know, a guy's got the one hand, you know, in the in the back looking over at the bench. Now, nah, now, nah. like to take the photo. It's so great. Uh, <laughs> and that, that
2: they have hopefully have a great photo. Dad or grandpa played against Magic Johnson, you know. Uh, what's, uh, other than that, what's your favorite Dream Team memory? Well, there is a classic story that's been in the news lately of,
1: of the value of MJ's sneakers. There's a classic Natley story where I was an idiot and he offered me a pair of sneakers and I did not take them. So that's 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 one. uh that's So tell that one. Yeah. <laughs> it's like we were together like five or six weeks. It's like the last day of camp, you know? Everybody's packing up. My room was a couple doors down from where Michael had, had a room that, that he would just sleep in because he was playing golf all the time. Those crazy golf stories are all mm-hmm. true. Uh, of him playing 18 or 36 holes before the game. So it's like the last day I walked by the room, there's a pile of sneakers in the room. And I had literally, we didn't have a lot of free time. I had literally just gone shopping. I was newly married at the time, had a young baby at home, got the cheesy I love Barcelona t-shirt, some, <laughs> Easy souvenirs. My suitcases were all packed. We were leaving the next morning. And now you want to like, what am I supposed to do with like literally probably 10 or 12 pairs of sneakers. And I was like, Oh, I just finished packing. I don't have any room. I should have, I should have like left, unpacked the suitcase. I could have left my cameras, left yeah. anything and just walked on the plane with a pair of those sneakers. And that would that would have been uh would have been a wiser move by far, although I would never sell them, you know, so who knows? Uh, do, do you know who very, ended up with those shoes? Funny. You know what? He went down into the uh, into the training room uh, at the hotel, and guys were into it. They were exchanging jerseys, signing jerseys, uh, and doing that kind of stuff. And he gave a bunch of stuff to Ed Lacer, was one of the trainers. Uh, and who knows, you know, hopefully the guys all who who would have thought right um that uh that it would be uh, so valuable uh but it is it is kind of funny we have if anyone's interested on eBay I could put on a, up a cheesy I love Barcelona t-shirt for about 5 5 dollars uh you know instead of a pair of mj sneakers
0: right in in the description you write i got this t-shirt 92 olympics in barcelona brought it home instead of jordan sneakers
1: exactly Exactly. um but i really don't have like i'm a fan um when my kids were younger we would get the basketball cards and it's fun um but i really don't have occasionally i have a a a picture or something that somebody would would sign or something but i really don't have as much i should uh i should start getting a couple of more photos signed or something
2: well, I, I mean, your photos themselves are are collector's items, and there's so many. I mean, people really need to check out while they're listening to this. I'm sure they already are checking out your Instagram page. It's natlyphoto. Is that is that correct? Mm-hmm. The... Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, there's the three off the top of my head, which immediately will come to mind. People can picture them. 87 NBA Finals Game 4. There's Magic shooting that baby skyhook over Bird, McHale, and Parrish. You got uh 2013 NBA finals ray allen hits that shot which changed history and you shot it from from the opposite basket and then you got bill walton uh holding up the the 11 rings i mean that not even fitting them on on all his fingers basically when um when you think about the the iconic shots that that you've taken the pictures that you have if if you were on a desert island and could only bring the one which which picture do you think you're most proud of, and and you'd like to show off. Wow, that's a tough one. Um, people do love, you know, the
1: the Bill Russell. Um, you had said Bill Walton. Bill Walton would be thrilled oh, if he yeah, had, I meant if Bill if Russell. He, I'm sorry. If, if Bill Walton would be thrilled <laughs> if he had 11, yeah, his, no kidding. His, his 86 uh, Celtics team, he gets a lot of mileage out of that one. Um, but it's it's too hard it's too hard to tell you know uh i i love and i've been fortunate to you know be in some great moments and and the years add up and you're there and i i do love the action shots i love doing the portraits i love doing you know the more journalistic like the guys with their knees taped up, the feet in the ice buckets after a big game, like all of that stuff, I I still get jazzed up about be seeing that and, and shooting that stuff, you know, because I think it's, it's so cool to just realize how hard the guys work to do what they're doing. I think the fans love, you know, we talked about those walk-in shots before. The fans love to see the guys just be normal people you know uh and the combination of all those different elements you know from coming into the arena the pre-game taping the game stuff to post game to this and that the championship moments of the champagne spraying around everywhere you know um it's it's just it's it's way too difficult uh it's like having being asked you know which one of your kids is your favorite kids you know depends on the day is the
0: right answer, right <laughs> Exactly. That's that's, exactly. that's that's the right answer. Which ones do you have hung up at home? You know what I uh I have recently
1: started uh like trading people prints. Like someone would want one of my I don't want my prints hanging up in the house, you know. Uh so I will trade um I will trade people's uh a print for someone. I have a couple of crazy old photos from you know, when I assisted some of the Sports Illustrated photographers, I do have that, uh, Holly over Liston, um, print, um, the Heinz Klutmeyer, the Michael Phelps, when he, the underwater camera, when he touched by two hundredths of a second or something like that, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, so it, it is fun to have,
0: you know, my colleagues, uh, photos hanging up. I don't, I I don't want to have any of mine hanging up. But you you mentioned the, the Ali over Liston, uh standing over Liston, the, the Michael Phelps underwater camera. You've been doing basketball for all these years. What's the other if you if you were on assignment for another sporting event, what would you want to photograph?
1: You know what I used to love I have not done it lately because of uh I don't really have have much time with nba olympics w in the summer Uh, i used to love photographing tennis um and like photographing Federer. or some it was just like beautiful to watch uh run around the court i would love to photograph serena playing tennis um i have not done you know i think you know i'm dating myself a little bit but have shot mac and roe connors chrissy everett martina like you know hmm. 15, 15 years ago 20 years ago maybe um but i think the athleticism uh of the of the tennis players just lends itself to beautiful photography you know you see like the the you know the the light changes when it goes if a day match goes late you know Uh, the clay at Roland Garros for the French open is beautiful. Wimbledon would be beautiful. Like that would be, that would be on my bucket
2: list. Okay. know, I'm curious now when, when you're sitting courtside and you have this unbelievable view of the action and you're seeing the NBA game just from an entirely different perspective. And obviously you have your job to do to shoot, but is there something that you're even amazed by or that you notice that you realize that, that most fans just have no clue about? You know what, typically I think in sport, like basketball
1: translates very well to TV and things. But when you're there, the speed of things is remarkable. Uh, We all know that that basketball is probably the greatest athletes there, you know, running, jumping, doing their thing. But the speed in which it happens, is really remarkable um and and you don't get that sense of things on on television you know mm-hmm. uh, and the you know going back a bit to someone like shooting Shaq, like shack like his footwork was amazing his power was amazing he, the speed when he did a drop step turn he wasn't doing it in slow motion you combine all of those factors you know similarly to someone like LeBron who is big strong fast quick all of those superlatives whatever you want to say you know uh, and it's it's remarkable Um, someone like and it's just every game has a different you know you go from Kyrie's handles or Iverson what what he used to do or Steph. You know, Steph Curry's warm-up routine where you watch him drill four shots in a row from, you know, sitting on the bench or mid-court or something. It's, it's, it's crazy.
0: You, you talk about the speed, Nat. And, and I know we've talked about it before where it's not like a, a newspaper photographer that is just firing off shots one right after the other, boom, 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 boom that it is a, a quality over quantity thing so that you might only get the one shot at it can you would would you mind taking us into the the, the nitty-gritty of it the details for you know for sure. for, novi- for well, novices that's... exactly how that all works
1: right well that's the biggest difference of what what we do as working for the nba or working for the teams <clears throat> we use different equipment we're using strobe lights which we used to have to put up in the ceiling before after before every game and then take them down afterwards now every arena pretty much has them but it is much more complex than the average person realizes like typically a 730 game I'm at the arena at two o'clock you know uh, setting up cameras and testing things Um, we shoot it's called tethered where the cameras are literally wired um they all go when you're you know you're used to seeing a game on tv they're like let's go to secaucus let's go look at a review all of our cameras are tethered and wired and they go directly into the hub uh for nba entertainment in secaucus so as you know, these arenas are there was a hockey game the night before there's a concert the night before you it changes every day, so you have to do that every single game prior to every single game and then take it down after every game um and it's it 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 does require a lot of time and effort and then the game itself, when you're using the you know we call them strobes the you can't you know do boom 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 boom. You're shooting one. You're clicking the shutter once every four to five seconds at the most. You know, so you it does become a mental, um, a mental thing, and and a, a almost a little Zen like, where you have to, you know, anticipate the moment because if you see the moment through the lens, then it's already too late. You know, uh, right. So all of all of that uh, goes into it. And to me, it keeps. You know, I love the technology. It keeps keeps us uh, keeps us on our toes, keeps us interesting, um, and it there's just always something something new out there. You know, we literally we press the button and it goes to the They have an editor there. There could be a social media person there, and after two minutes, they get the picture. Three to four seconds after I press the button. And then it's up on NBA Instagram and NBA Twitter to 30 or 40 million people in a minute. You know, uh, it's kind of crazy.
0: Yeah, gone are the days of the photo runners grabbing the film Uh, and and running it back.
1: Oh, I I started when I was at Sports Illustrated. That was part of my job. I would be running uh, at a boxing, I would be at a Mike Tyson fight literally under the ring reloading cameras handing cameras to the photographer gathering film at the end of the gate at the end of the match uh and running to the airport running to a lab you know uh, very very different times we're in now and it, it's cool it's 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 uh progress
0: yeah so what is next on the technology end for in arena photography for someone like yourself so that It doesn't have to be one click every four seconds.
1: You know, um, good question. There's always, I will always be like a little old school where I want quality, you know? Um, When digital first came out, I stuck with film as long as possible because the the initial quality of digital was, was bad, you know? On a iPhone now, has a better file than our first digital cameras in you know the year 2000 that cost fifteen thousand dollars for a camera. Um, an iPhone has a better file now, you know. Um, so there's always advances in technology NBA there's some advancements with what they're doing with the lighting in the arenas, which I think lends itself to cool photography. If you remember, like the famous Jordan picture um, of the where in Utah where he hit the game one about the crowd is all lit. You see the expression mm-hmm. of the crowd. Awesome uh, photo, not my picture, um, but awesome picture. And then you can go to some place like Madison Square Garden, or I do things in in Brooklyn at Barclays where the background goes totally dark and it makes it more of like a theatrical stage kind of situation. Mm -hmm. Those photos I love too, that have a great feel to them, you know? Um, So there's always, you know, there's always a better mousetrap. I'm always pushing the envelope to try to, you know, take it, take it to the next step and direction. However that may lead me.
2: Well, speaking of where that's going to lead you, uh, the rest of us don't know what's happening necessarily with some of the details of this orlando bubble so i guess two part question for me one are you going to be involved in what's taking place in orlando and two if you are how do you strategize for for shooting an event with with no fans and and trying to figure all that stuff out you know what i like
1: everyone else i'm a fan uh, I don't really have any, you know, crazy inside information. I I wake up, I read, uh, I read things. I'm waiting for the next woge bomb on something that's going to happen, whatever. <laughs> uh, I'm hoping, uh, I'm hoping to be involved. I'd really love to be involved. Um, I think it's going to be an exciting time. I personally, I do like things changing like I am old school about like the integrity of the product, integrity of the game, but, um, this will be a totally different, uh, experience, you know, and I know you guys, you guys did a podcast. I can't remember his name, but he was on a, who had a, like a production type background. Um, I think Espen is will Turner will do a fantastic job. They're dying to test out, uh, you know, different robotic kind of cameras, um, and I think the the fan experience at home, sitting on the couch, is going to be amazing. You know, for those of us, uh, if I'm at the arena, I think that will be very different. You know, for the for even the players, you know, um, it will be. You know, I think it will take some some getting used to for them, especially. Um, I don't know the the configuration of a court. I don't think they're going to have courts with you know empty seats behind them. Why would you ha- Why would you do that? Like, do they have you know a curtain or a big monitor showing other things? Like, I I don't know. But I along like everyone else is are really curious to see how it how it shakes out.
2: So capturing that will be a memory, and and on that front. We hear a lot nowadays, especially Noah and I as, as parents try to remind ourselves, hey, there's times where it's put the phone down. You don't need a picture of every smile, every cute thing Eden's doing or or my kids are running around doing. And I'm curious how you find that balance. It's your job at a game, sure, to to shoot everything and you're uh you're you're collecting history for the next generation. But but when you're not at a game, how do you find the balance of still capturing these perfect moments and, and whether it be behind the camera or or catching it with your own eyes?
1: You know, what? again, a,
2: a great question, because I then obviously when I'm at work,
1: that's my job. So that's what I that's what I do. But then uh, I always have I do always have a little camera um, with me. Um, the phones now take great photos. Um, when I'm with the family, like I try to, you know, we're driving somewhere. Hey, kids, look up, look around you. Don't look down at your phone. I never take any landscape photos. We do a family trip to the National parks. So we go to the Grand Canyon. I'm not taking a picture of the Grand Canyon. It's never going to be good enough. I would rather have that memory at <laughs> In my my mind, you know, Um, you you document things as a parent, but it's not like trying to get an award for the best photo of the family trip or something. You know what I mean? For sure. Um, And it is very, very important, I think, uh, for people to slow down a bit and look around. You look up sometimes, look straight ahead, look to the left, look to the right. Uh, and not uh, not be all encumbered by, uh, by what's going on with your phone, per se. Um, having, having said that, uh, with what's going on now in the world, uh, there have been ridiculously life-changing, world-altering photos and videos that have come out in the last couple of weeks. Everyone has a phone, everyone has a video camera. And to that end, that is remarkable to me, you know? Um, and that there are literally the life and world altering events are now being documented. You don't have to be a professional photographer or a professional videographer to do that. Um, so it, that is, that is a, a huge plus of the technology.
0: Certainly is. Um, before we ask you the rejecting the screen question as we do with all of our guests, is there a an experience that you've had that has led to a photo of yourself where you're the one actually in the photo rather than taking the photo that stands out? You know what? It's a yes. Yeah. The answer to that is, is yes. I
1: never... I have never gotten my picture taken with Magic Michael. I I probably will ask some people as maybe you get older and your career is winding down. I don't want to say I'm winding down. You become a little more (laughs) sentimental. Um, But I I do have the ultimate. um, And it was in 1993. um, I was fortunate to be with a small contingent of uh, NBA personnel that, that went to South Africa um and we we met with nelson mandela we ha- actually had dinner at his residence house um and it was like the i do not want to say the highlight of my career that early on um but it doesn't get any better than that and listening to him talk it wasn't a day yet, so it was literally you know five or six small tables with you know, four people at a table and him, him talking about sports. We know he was a big uh, boxer and he he boxed a lot to uh, to stay in shape when he was imprisoned. Um, he knew basketball. It was it was remarkable. So at the end of the dinner, you know, he had people come up to him for photos. And so I grabbed my camera and I took people's picture with him. So that all finished. And he was like well, what about you and i'm like looking behind me thinking there was another person he goes no 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 you're you were working very hard i want I, I want i want a picture with you wow and i was like okay i'm in I'm this i handed <laughs> my camera to someone i said press this button hopefully this was pre-autofocus pre everything um <laughs> and i have a picture of myself shaking hands uh with mr mandel and like it literally doesn't get any better than that. And that has been, that that entire experience really was life altering. I pretty much go back once a year. Uh, I took my daughter on a trip when she was younger. She has since, uh, she founded a nonprofit uh, organization that she runs now in Zambia. Um, and it that was just like literally uh, a remarkable moment. Um, so after that, it was like, okay, I'm good. I don't, need, uh, I don't need my
0: photo with anyone else, you know? Absolutely. Right, and, and, and being good in 1993, that's, that's saying a lot. All right, so let's close right. with this, Nat. We always ask all of our guests the rejecting the screen questions since that's what the guys in the back of the bus used to talk about and say, all right, who do you want to take in the last shot? But it can't be Jordan. So in your experience, being on the baseline to get to shoot a guy, rejecting the screen, going ISO to take the final bucket. Who do you want to capture in that moment from all the guys that you've photographed over the years?
1: You know what a a crazy,
0: crazy long
1: list, but if it, I would go if they have to create and shoot, not like a catch and shoot. Mm -hmm. I'd like to go. I'd like to go now with, uh, with KD because I think, with his size, he can go up over anyone whenever he wants with his handle, he can create space. Um and I'd like to see him uh I'd like to see him do that sooner rather than later. Uh so I'll I'll go with K D because he uh he gets buckets, as they say, right?
0: <laughs> they do. They <laughs> do does. say that. He does. <laughs> All right, he is Nat Butler. And I've said it before that I've met so many folks. Over the years, starting when I was an intern at at the NBA, the summer going into 2003, and Nat immediately made me feel like I was part of the process and part of the family, and he's made me feel that way ever since. So, Nat, we really do appreciate the time. Thank you so much.
1: Thank you, guys. Uh, please keep in touch, and hope hopefully
2: uh, hopefully we'll see you soon. And I'll keep keep listening. Well, yeah, appreciate it, Nat, and I. I we really appreciate the time, and also. Please, as a listener of the podcast, I hope that it, this is going to bother me all day and somebody I greatly respect. I hope you do realize that I know the difference between Bill Walton and Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. <laughs> I, I just, I really no. hope you know. No, that it, was, know.
0: it was it was, Walton and Russell. Walton and Russell. Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> I'm keeping that, that out. We're no. editing it
2: out now. Oh, I'm keeping that one. No way, no way. <laughs> uh- you want yeah, to know the, wor- and that. the worst part, Matt? Like my if my dad's listening, which he would he would absolutely <laughs> kill me, especially for now fumbling twice because I'm I'm nervous that that's the kind of thing that bothers me. That all I care about is the respect of you, your respect of the people uh, you look up to. Uh, my dad went uh, to high school uh, with Pat Riley, and uh, and and has bragged to me his entire life that or my entire life that he he got a chance to witness Riley's. Uh, Linton High School team in Schenectady, New York, play Lou right. Alcindor, Power Memorial team. If people don't know, they played against each other in high school, so um, no, that's yeah, amazing. it's pretty incredible.
1: Riley, Riley, um, uh, used to talk about his you know, his upbringing and the blue collar mentality of his dad in Schenectady and all that. That sort of shaped a lot of his you know, tough toughness for sure, you know. Um, so that that's I love the old you know like the history and the old stuff like that um and I, I have not heard uh I saw the maybe insta or Twitter or something about the the podcast that uh Eden was involved in, but I haven't heard that one
2: yet
0: mm, fantastic so, yeah that's um that's a whole nother endeavor on <laughs> on the follow up yeah she's you know what? Um, that's, she's a star that's,
1: that's the most important stuff at the end of the day, we know that. I agree.
0: Uh, so, um, I certainly agree. But
1: you guys, you guys be well, and and, and please keep in touch. And hopefully, we'll we'll, uh, we'll have some hoops soon. Uh, be well, guys. Thanks, Nat. Thank you. All right, so long.
0: All right. So Adam, there's there's also this dominating center. His uh, first name started with a W, ended. Uh, Wilt. Will yeah, Will, Walt, Will Walt yeah, Will, Will Will Chamberlain, right? Yeah, you you know him. I'm humiliated, Noah. I'm I am, I'm humiliated. Well, since I, no, we've started, since we've started to close this way, that now you know that it is being kept in. I know, that makes it even worse. Sadly,
2: um, yeah, I it. it like i said that stuff will stick with me you you think i'm joking around but that stuff will will stick with me Misspeaking and then doing it twice Good. i double down um and i know you love to see me just writhe in, in pain i
0: i, I will well, say no 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 i mean i just you you just don't have enough to focus on in your life and that's the thing so now you can, you can focus on this instead <laughs>
2: the worst part is this will bother me more than the other stuff that uh that's happening <laughs> I, I i i will say this um you had told me this others had told me this that when the name uh because this is his podcast when the name nat butler came up everyone talks about him as just such this genuine guy who's just on another level and i and and the thing is and then you get a chance to speak to him and i see what he's all about and it's the fact that he's so authentic he's an original he's sincere And everything everyone could say about him isn't even high enough praise. And I know we oftentimes, especially I'll blow smoke about guys after we, we interview them. And I appreciate the guys that come on the podcast and give us their time. He gave us a ton of time more than people probably realize in the recording of this podcast. But on top of that, he's just a, just in the short time that I got a chance to spend with him, you could tell just how genuine and how good of a person Mm -hmm. he really truly
0: is. Yeah. He's a real gentleman. And anytime I see Nat, And it's not as often as I would like, but at the garden or at Barclays, a bunch, even if I'm not hungry, I'm still going into the dining room just to sit with Nat and chat and I'll probably start eating something. But I I truly enjoy all the time that I do spend with Nat and Instagram, Twitter, Nat N-A-T-L-Y photo on Instagram and Twitter. And you'll scroll through and you'll see some shots that you've seen forever. And then you'll say, Oh, that guy, that's wow. Legend, that. legend, legend.
2: Like every great Jordan dunk, like that's nuts, It's unbelievable. Unbelievable.
0: And so you can follow us on Instagram at rejecting underscore the underscore screen. Adams on Twitter at Naismith lives. I'm at Noah Koslov, C O S L O V. Lots going on on the Lockdown Podcast Network. Hollinger and Duncan every Monday with John Hollinger and Nate Duncan. Also Chad Ford's NBA big board, all things NBA draft looking back. And also now that we've got a date, we think Mm. it might stand Mm. for this year's NBA draft. And we know that Sadiq Bay is Adam's guy and he has been for a while and he's staying in the draft. So make Sure. sure you're listening to Chad Ford's NBA big board. Locked on Fantasy Hoops with Josh Lloyd, Locked on NBA five days a week, and of course your team every day on the Locked On Podcast Network. Adam, thanks pal.
1: You are the best.